Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Today we're going to be speaking to a lovely lady named Isella King. I first met her when she was a teenager, um, and she was diagnosed with kidney disease at a young age, and we're going to hear a little bit about her journey and where she is today. So welcome to the show, Isella. Hi, Lori. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about how you were diagnosed with kidney disease and what age you were. Yeah, so I was 16 years old, and I was in my sophomore year of high school, so I, I think it was 20, 2015, if I remember correctly, and I I just went in for, you know, I was having my annual physical done uh, with my pediatrician at the time, and I did, you know, the lab work, urinalysis, and I guess my urine came back with abnormal level of protein in it, or enough that kind of alarmed my pediatrician. So he referred me and my family to a nephrologist at Children's Hospital Los Angeles, and uh, I went to go meet with him, uh, Dr. Lemley, and he did my lab work again, did another urinalysis, same results. So we went ahead and did a biopsy, and after the biopsy, I was then diagnosed with um, IgA nephropathy or Berger's disease. Wow, and you, you didn't have any symptoms? I did not have any symptoms. So this was, and I also did not know anything about kidney disease. I mean, so much so that I didn't even think that young people got kidney disease. So this was a shock. And I mean, to, and my family too, none of us really had any previous education on it. So it was a lot. It was overwhelming at the time, for sure. And you were uh, at high school. How did that impact your schooling? Um. Schooling, I want to say, was fine. It did impact some social aspects. I, in high school, I loved doing sports. I was on the volleyball team at my high school. But once I started on, part of my treatment was a blood pressure medication called uh, lisinopril. And adjusting to that medication was a lot. Getting the dosage right took a little while. And I was experiencing extreme fatigue for a lot of months and so much so that I, I ended up quitting volleyball because I, I, it really, it was difficult to play and I, I couldn't do the exercise that I had fallen in love with. And I, I love being an athlete. And so that, that was really hard on me. And then social wise, I, I felt, I felt a little alone and lost. I didn't, like I said, I didn't know much about the disease, let alone, I didn't know anyone else who had the disease. So that there was a period where, you know, I had friends, but I didn't really have anyone to really talk through this new period of my life with. So in, you know, you were taking blood pressure medicine and, you know, I've had blood pressure problems and, you know, they got to get the dose right. They got to figure out what's right for you. So it can be a little, your blood pressure can be too low, which makes you tired or you're trying to get the right dose for you. And how long did it take the medication to be figured out for you to feel right? Um, I want to say we finally got my dose right after, after two years. Uh, we went back and forth adjusting like these 2.5 milligram 
tablets. I, when I first started, we, we jumped right to two pills twice a day, and that was much too high. So we dropped it to 1.5 and then finally down to one. But I, I was on one for a while, but today I am back on two twice a day, and that, that is something I can handle. But at the time starting that new medication, it was way too much for me. So it, it, took, it took a year or two for sure to, to get it all worked out. And how often do you monitor your blood pressure? Because that's key to getting the right dose, right? You have to monitor your own blood pressure to know if the dose is right over a period of time. Yeah, that's very true. When I was first diagnosed, one of the first things they told me was go buy a blood pressure cuff and get a journal and journal your blood pressure once in the morning, once at night. And so when I was first diagnosed, I, I was I was doing that every day. I am today technically still supposed to be practicing that good habit, but you know, I'll be honest, I've, I've fallen out of it a little bit. Um, but you're right. It was key at the time to, to getting that dose correct. I, I was doing that every day. Well, and it's interesting you say, take your blood pressure at the morning and night, because my doctor told me, which was, I didn't believe it, but he goes, your blood pressure is higher in the morning. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? What do you mean it's <laughs> higher in the morning? I've slept all night and I'm relaxed. And then the end of the night, that's when my brain's running crazy um, and probably more stressed. And he said, well, you need, your blood pressure has to rise for you to wake up. And and I, I thought that was interesting. So uh, that's why they want you to take it morning and night because it can differ greatly. That's so interesting. I, I didn't know that. I, I would have thought the opposite. Like I you know. Just said. That's, that's so interesting. It, it is. <laughs> I, I was like, really? It's higher in the morning. And then, of course, it's higher when you go to the doctor because of the white coat syndrome, <laughs> they call it. You're there and you're nervous. <laughs> um, so, you know, full disclosure, everybody, we met Isela at the 17th prom, you know, in 2016, as she went to school at Notre Dame. And Isela saw that we were doing a prom, and she raised her hand to be a volunteer at it. So, so tell us about, you know, that experience. I mean, here's, you're going to school, and then you see a kidney prom at your school. <laughs> well, it, it felt like, I mean, the, the biggest miracle for me, because this, the prom... Uh, I saw that opportunity just, just a year after I was initially diagnosed and it was like, my prayers were answered. I mean, I, like I said, I was looking for peer support, but I didn't feel like I had any. So I, I jumped at, I mean, you came and spoke at my high school and hearing you speak and talk about the prom. I mean, I, yeah, I wanted nothing more than to come volunteer and have that experience. So yeah, I volunteered at my first prom and it was super rewarding, you know, as an individual that was just diagnosed, um, it gave me a huge sense of solidarity with, you know, the, the peers that attended the prom. And I mean, it taught me, it taught me so much. in just that one moment, I felt like my diagnosis wasn't this scary, unpredictable thing. Like I thought it was, and that, you know, with resources like RSN, some education and this new sense of community that I felt like I found, you know, at that first prom that, you know, I could be more in control of both my, my happiness and my health. And it was just such a huge, a huge weight off my shoulders. And I mean, that, that prom influenced a lot for me. It influenced even what I went on to go study. And I, yeah, it just, it meant the world to me. I think I'm going to adopt you just, just so you know, (laughs) just just give your parents uh, alert. Um, Well, you know, it's amazing because I remember meeting you and you were so enthusiastic and, I think we were making um, one prom. We were making Harry Potter glasses, 
And mm-hmm. you were you were a leader then because I remember you organizing the Notre Dame seniors on how they need to do these glasses, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you've been coming to the prom for um, we're getting ready to plan our 25th prom in January. So you've been to this will be your eighth prom, right? Eighth, eighth or ninth. I can't count. Yeah. And I mean, it's so interesting to, you know, you know, once being a volunteer and now getting to help plan them. I mean, that's, it's just been so great. It's one of my favorite. It's I look forward to it every year. I really do. Well, uh, for our listeners, um, you know, Isela decided to just follow our ascent wherever we went. And I was amazed because this is the first time that somebody has really seen the value. And I, I, I can say this. I think your parents would agree. You're wise beyond your years. Um, oh, thank you, Lori. Yeah, you are. You're like a, a little old soul. I hate to tell you that. But, um, <laughs> um, but Isela interned for us. She went on to USC, um, and she just graduated with her master's. And uh, she worked for us part-time, but Isela now is full-time with us. So she is helping people who have kidney disease every day. And my question is for you, and you kind of answered it, but what do you think makes it different? Because a lot of people who have an illness run away from it. Mm -hmm. They don't run towards it. And you've run towards it. I mean, you've definitely um, took every effort to be engaged with RSN since you were a young kid. And, you know, I see so much potential in the future of how you're a future kidney leader with your, your passion and drive. But what do you think was the source of that? Um, because that's not very common. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, that prom meant so much to me as a newly diagnosed patient. And But I also, going, saw how much it meant to everyone else there. And, you know, as a young person, this was, this was my first exposure to a patient organization like RSN and the kind of power and effect that, that organizations like RSN could have on others. So after just being in that environment, I knew that I wanted to continue to be involved and to help the kidney community in whatever way that I could. I wanted to spread awareness. I wanted to help others, you know, learn about the resources, get the benefits of, of these support programs from, you know, from RSN, from organizations like RSN, because it just did so much for me at a time where I felt very lost and I felt scared. And, and it helped me so much. So I just, I, I wanted to spread those resources, help you know, bring awareness to to all these great things that RSN does. Well, you know, Isela, one thing that's interesting is the medical community often recognizes the treatment, but they don't recognize the emotional side. And the emotional side drives the treatment. Mm -hmm. Because if your head's not right, it's really hard to do all the things necessary. And, you know, I hope that more people realize, you know, what RSN and other groups do like us um, is when you have an illness, you feel very alone. And when you feel very alone, mm-hmm. you don't always make the right choices. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. And yeah. and when you feel empowered by your peers, you you know how to take better care of yourself. You know how to navigate care and you're you're maintaining your kidney health right by managing your blood pressure i am yeah i have been thank goodness you know on the up and up ever since i was diagnosed you know when i was first diagnosed i I was seeing my nephrologist every single month doing the blood work 
and, you know, talking about next steps, but, you know, my numbers kept getting better. So, you know, then I went to every other month and then every six months. And now I'm very lucky. I, you know, I only, I go see my nephrologist once a year now and still I'm, I'm getting good news. So I'm very grateful for that. And how often um, are you logging and taking records? Because, you know, you said you get a little lax, but when you see mm-hmm. him every year, are you able to give him a snapshot of your blood pressure? Or if it's rising, you'll contact him? Yeah, I do, I do still try to take note in my blood pressure journal a few times a week, for sure. It's not every day anymore. I, I, like I said, yeah, I have been a little lax. But yes, I, I do try to make sure that I come prepared to my appointments because I, you know, I want to be as informed as I can you know, when I go meet with my, with my doctor. Well, and people don't realize that the biggest thing you can do for your doctor is give them information when you're not there. Mm-hmm. You know, when your blood pressure is high, for those of you who aren't aware of it, your kidneys have veins the size of your eyes. And when pressure is high, it pushes through them and scars them. And over time, the scarring prevents the filtering that's needed for the kidneys. And that's why high blood pressure is the second leading cause of kidney failure mm-hmm. in this country. And if you can just manage it and... Um, Isela, a lot of people give up on taking blood pressure medicine because they don't like how it makes them feel. But you're living proof that you feel much better today because you took the medicine and got the right or you could have serious kidney damage. Absolutely. I mean, it, yeah, it, of course, of course, it was hard. You know, it's hard at first. I, I had so much difficulty. And there was a time where I, even I was like, well, I feel better off the medication. Why, why, why don't I just not take it? You know, why would I take something that's making me feel bad? But I put, yeah, I pushed through, you know, and once the dosage was right, yeah, I felt great. And, you know, and now I'm reaping the benefits of, yeah, my kidney function is improving every year. And so, uh, yeah, of course I'm going to, I'm going to keep with this treatment that has been helping me. The kidneys can, can deteriorate very quickly if, um, with high blood pressure. So, you know, you went to USC and got your master's in public health. How did you use your own experience when you were at school to help make decisions? Yeah, so, you know, our my experience with RSN, you know, influenced my decisions going and, you know, continuing with my schooling. After volunteering with RSN, I knew I wanted a career in helping people. So when I started, at, I went to USC. When I started there, I did declare a major in non-governmental organizations and social social change, because I yeah I wanted to be a part of you know the change that I saw you know the nonprofit sector doing, and and you know and then I furthered that with my master's in public health because I felt like that was a good a good marriage between the two, and I, yeah ideally I wanted to continue to serve my kidney community which yeah, I'm happy to say that you know I'm doing now with RSN. You so, are you are doing it we all are so out. lucky. <laughs> And I just I just want to tell everybody hands off, okay? Um, <laughs> you're involved to in the day-to-day operations of RSN. And, you know, we're so lucky to have you uh, bring your experience as well because it's really hard to explain to somebody who doesn't have the illness sometimes what people with the illness need. Mm-hmm. And I know from experience that there's two things that patients need. And it's one friend can make a difference, and that's the networking. And an illness is too demanding when you don't have hope. And 
that can look like a variety of things. If you don't have access to care, you don't have hope. If you don't have access to how to navigate the system or, or resources, you don't have hope. So we try to be a conduit for that. Mm-hmm. But my my, uh, I, I guess, what is one of your favorite things that you've discovered being part of this organization interacting with patients? Yeah. Uh, well, okay. I feel like, of course, I have to say the prom because that's just executing the prom ever since working here has been so special and I, I do look forward to it. Um, but other than the prom, you know, since being with RSN, I will say our Get Creative program has definitely become something that I look forward to each month. I mean, it's, I'm a creative person. You're, you, you attract creative people all the time, Lori. I mean, so we, we fit so well. Um, but it's just, it's so fun to see uh, all the different art projects um, that our members, you know, are working on how they're harnessing their creativity. And, and then it also, it holds me accountable in, in my creative projects as well. But, you know, the creativity portion aside, just, you know, when we, when I get to be a part of these programs, I also get to learn, um, a little bit about all of our members and their stories and you know, everyone's different kidney journey. And that is just, it's such a, a rewarding thing to be able to be a part of and learn more about. And it helps me. Well, and we're reading some of our essays right now. We're in the process of judging our 21st essay contest. And I mean, we're courageous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, people with kidney disease are courageous and they have so much to teach. And it's, it's uh, oftentimes I feel this community, you know, says kidney patient community or whatever the word is. But there's so many beautiful little jewels out there of people who have amazing mm-hmm. stories and, and they're willing to share them. And I think, you know, there's a book that I'm reading right now called The Art of Getting Together. And it's, it's important because we all need a community. Um, we need a community to share and be part of. And the fact that we all are on social media, we're even more apart. Um, but when, mm-hmm. when we get together on Zoom, shout out to Zoom, everybody. Um, <laughs> Zoom is life changing. That, you know, you can still be in your home, join one of our Zoom exercise groups or, you know, we have all types of different groups <laughs> that, mm-hmm. you know, you feel part of a community and you don't have to live your house. I mean, I love the in-person meetings, but it's not always feasible to host them because they're expensive and people don't live in the area. But I, I, it's just so important to be part of a community. And I hear so often that people feel so alone. You know, I, I feel sorry for them because I know what that feels like. But you have to take the first step and reach out like, like you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you ha- you have to put in a little bit of work, and I, I, it could be scary, but I you know it, it. I find that it's always been worth it. So I replied to a a thread on one of my groups, like, "Hey, you want to play cards?" And I'm like, "Me and my husband, like, you know, we like to play cards." So we're like, "Sure." And I'm like, "Here, I met a whole <laughs> new group of people, you know, and and it's you know we're playing pinochle every once in a while, and you know we're so lucky right now because." There are a lot of communities available. You just got to find the one that fits you. <laughs> exactly. No, it's, it's really great. So why don't we wrap up and talk a little bit about the 25th prom that we're planning. So for those of you listening, um, we put on a prom for all the teenagers who have kidney disease in this country, ages 14 to 24. Um, it's located in Los Angeles, and we're having a live event at 
the Stars Theater um, on January 14th. Um, and you want to give some details? We'll go back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll be um, at the Stars on Brand. It is our 25th renal prom, so you know, we're inviting all of, you know, our past alumni. We want a really big turnout. And, you know, so we're going to, we're going to open it up to more than just our usual teens. We want this to be a really great community event, bringing in, you know, all the members that have been involved with us for these past years. Well, and what's so exciting is previous alumni who attended, we're going to bring you back as ambassadors. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're, you're going to help be able to mentor and be part of a fun of, of a group of kids. We, we anticipate a couple hundred people, um, and, uh, we're, we're looking at centerpieces and food and all kinds of things and just planning a, a celebration of life. So if you're interested in, you know, attending, um, you can go to our website and get an invitation. There is no charge to attend. Um, and we do appreciate any donations because, this has become a, uh, it's like an event. I mean, Mayan Lopez came <laughs> last year and she's on the hit show Lopez versus Lopez. And we've had Jack Black there and we've had um, a whole host of people that, oh, Nick Jonas came one time. I can never forget that. <laughs> oh, my, yes, that was a great year. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great year. I know. The first time we had to have security to keep the people who didn't have kidney disease out <laughs> of the problem. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm really glad that I could share your story, Isela. You're very special, you know, to be diagnosed at a young age and decide to, to be empowered and, you know, just lean right into it and then carry it through your education and RSN be lucky enough for us to be the group that you decided to latch on. We we couldn't be more thrilled. So I I can't see what the future brings for you, but I know it's gonna be great things. So um, thank you for sharing, you know, your story. And if you guys, hey, when you call or email, you might be just talking to Acela. <laughs> so um, she's here Monday through Friday. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.